Today's episode is sponsored by Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BrainsOn. Just go to Indeed.com slash BrainsOn right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BrainsOn. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Brains On, where we're serious about being curious. Brains On is supported in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. Hey, Sandin. Whoa, Sandin, is that mini poodle typing? Oh, hey, Molly. Hey, Maya. Yeah, that's my dog, Penelope. She joined some kind of social media app for dogs, and, well, she's kind of into it. Kinda? She looks obsessed. Yeah, I've never seen a dog type that fast, or at all. How did she learn that? Honestly, I don't know, but it's a huge problem. She won't let me use the computer for anything else. And the weird part is, I don't even know what she's writing. It's just bark, bark, howl, bark, wolf, bark, howl. Hmm, some kind of phonetic dog language. I wonder what she's saying. Hey, Dubs. I saw your page on Fetch.com, and I had to send you a note. It's so cool to chat with a real live wolf. Your life must be so cool, living in the woods, hunting things, being tough and wolfy. I'm a poodle, so we, we couldn't be more different. Penelope, hi. Oh. Yeah, I'm a wolf. Living in the woods is pretty cool. I can chase squirrels whenever I want. Wait, I love chasing squirrels too! LOL! Really? It's like literally my favorite thing to do with my pack. Hold up, you have a pack? That is so weird because I also have a pack. It's my human Sandin and some of our favorite houseplants. Don't tell Sandin, but sometimes I pee on the plants to mark my territory. So random, right? I do that too. Wow, we actually have a lot in common. For realsies? I thought it was just me and my canine family that left a good territory, Mark. Hold up, Penelope. My family is the canine family too, but with a C. Your family must be canine with a K, right? Uh, no. I'm a canine with a C, too. Could we be very distantly related? This is Brains On from American Public Media. I'm Molly Bloom, and with me today is Maya from Maine. Hi, Maya. Hi, Molly. We asked you to co-host this wolf-filled episode because you asked us a cunning canine question. What was that question that you sent to us? So the, the question was, why do we have dogs as pets but not distant relatives of dogs like wolves? It is a really excellent question, and we're going to answer that in just a bit. But what made you think of this question? Well, I thought that wolves and dogs have very similar features. So I'm guessing you have a dog then? Oh, yes, I do. Her name is Luna. What kind of dog is she? 
She's a yellow lab. So does Luna ever act like a wolf? Uh, other than chasing squirrels, no. <laughs> Have you ever seen a wolf in real life? Uh, no, because if I had, I'd probably be running away, <laughs> screaming my face off. So you're a little scared of wolves? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> you said you noticed that wolves and dogs have similar features. Can you talk about which features those are that you noticed? Uh, well, muzzles, you know, and I think, like, the like the stature. I also thought that it's, like, almost their eyes. They seem, like, wild and exciting, like a certain canine fire. <laughs> Ooh, nice. So there are so many different kinds of dogs. So what dog, in your mind, is, like, the least wolf-looking? Chihuahuas. Which, which breed of dog do you think is, like, the most wolf-like? Huskies. Mm. Definitely huskies. Well, we are going to answer your question about wolves and dogs in just a bit. But first, let's dig into this wolf business. Hi, my name is Colin, and I'm from Mount Prospect, Illinois. My question is, why do wolves howl, and do canines have different vocal cords than humans? My name is Maya, and I'm from Morfino, Idaho. We live in an area where there are lots of wolves. I'd like to know why wolves howl. To help us with the answer, we got in touch with two expert wolf watchers. Hi, I'm Dr. Holly Root-Gutteridge, and I'm a researcher at the University of Lincoln. Hey, my name's Dr. Eric Kirschenbaum, and I teach at the University of Cambridge. So most of the time when wolves howl, they're howling to communicate with other wolves that are far away. So sometimes they'll howl to say to their friends in the pack, who are usually their brothers and sisters and their parents, Hey, I'm over here. Where are you? How are all you tonight? I'm over here. I'm good. There's a tree over here and I'm going to be on it. Oh, cool. Maybe you want to call them back so that you can go hunting. Uh, maybe you've managed to do some hunting and you've got some food that you want to share with them. Sometimes the pack will come together and howl and warn off other wolves in other packs that we're here. This is our land. Stay away. Howl! Keep away! Oh, We are so big and strong! And we know Kung Fu! And sometimes you'll get a wolf on its own that will howl to say, Hey, I'm lonely. Is there anybody else out there who maybe might like me? And they'll try to find a mate for the next season by howling to other wolves in the area. There's another reason that wolves howl, and that's just because they like it. And that's not as silly as it sounds, because all animals that live in groups, monkeys and parrots and humans, all have some activity that they use to strengthen the bonds of friendship between the members of the group. So if you think about singing in a choir, I think it's like that for them. Everybody ready? On three. One, a two, a three. just really enjoy the experience of sharing their voices with the rest of the pack and coming together as a family for a good sing-song. Or, for that matter, when your dog sings along to the music of your favourite TV show because he or she is sitting in a group with his family and wants to feel a part of the group. 
that was great. Nice singing, everyone. Really? Thought I was a little sharp. The only thing sharp about you are your razor-sharp fangs, pal. Oh, you're the best, pac mate. No, you're the best. Oh. Brains, brains, brains. playing my clarinet and my dog howling to it. Bye! Thank you for that awesome sound, Jade. Now, Maya, I'm sorry to say we don't have a dog here to accompany you in studio, but we do have a fun little game. Get ready for some fantastic howl facts. I'm going to give you three statements, and your job is to guess which one is true. Are you ready? Yep. Okay. Number one. Howls always start in the key of C. Number two. Wolves in different parts of the world howl with different accents. Or... Number three. Wolves only howl when the moon is out. Um, I think that two is correct. The answer is... So, like, humans have accents from where they're born. Wolves are the same. And if you have a Californian wolf or a Canadian wolf, they'll sound different to each other when they howl. Number two. So you are correct. Nice work. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) So, as far as we can tell, it's just a myth that wolves howl at the moon. They do tend to howl at night, so maybe that's where that idea comes from. And sadly, wolves don't always howl in the key of C, but that would make harmonizing with them so much easier. Eric Kirschenbaum says you can tell where a wolf is from by the changes in the pitch and frequency in its howl. So, this is a timber wolf. And you can hear that the pitch starts high and then it goes down and then it steps down again. And this is a European wolf. And it's very flat. It's just the same pitch all the way along. We don't really know why wolves in different places sound different. It may be because they are actually quite different. So they have different genetics and and, and they've been um, subject to different evolution. It could be because in different landscapes, different kinds of howls are more useful. So if you live in a forest, it may be better to howl with a howl that goes up and down a lot more. And if you live in the open Arctic, it might be better to howl with a howl that's a very constant pitch. Welcome to Howling 101. If you plan to study wolves, you need a good howl. That way, you can call out to the animals in the wild and hopefully get a reply. Which, honestly, I wish would work for people. Why won't you answer my text, Jasper? We need to practice our competitive synchronized knitting or we'll lose the big yarn tournament. Where was I? Oh, yes, when wolves howl back, researchers can better track them and study them. So, without further ado, we proudly present Howling 101 with Dr. Holly Root Gutteridge. The way I got taught was if you cup your hands around your mouth, take a really deep breath, and then start low and go high. Um, So, and 
think about how like movie wolves howl and try to imitate that a little bit um, and try to do it like you're singing almost. I'm a little out of practice. It's been a little while since I've done this and I won't do it full volume because my neighbors will complain. Uh, but this is how I would try to do a wolf howl. I actually really like listening to them just how I think it's beautiful. Brilliant! Oh, and Jasper wrote back too. Sorry was at the store picking up new knitting needles. Practice tonight? <gasps> Yarn doodle! Oh, excuse me. And now, on with the show. So wolves and humans have very similar vocal cords, so that's why we can also howl. So Maya, do you want to try howling with me? I promise it won't be weird. Maybe a little weird, but it's going to be great. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay, so cup your hands and put them on the sides of your mouth. Okay. And then on the count of three, we're going to howl, okay? One, two, three. Nice howl. Thank you. (laughs) Well, coming up, we're going to learn more about wolf packs and dens. And we'll get to my question about wolves and dogs. So stick around. You know, a good leader is one that is focused on growth, has strong roots in its community, and always gives plenty back. Which is exactly what plants do. Precisely. That's why we think a plant might make a good president. And we want your slogans for these lean, green, world-saving machines. Maya, can you give us an example? Sure. I'm a plant, and you can't live without me. Seriously. Oh, that was good. Very persuasive. I would vote for you. Thank you. (laughs) We're doing an episode all about the secret world of plants, and we want your slogans for it. Record yourself giving us your best pitch for plants as president, then go to brainson.org and send it our way. You can also send us a drawing, mystery sound, or question. Like these listeners did. Hi, my name is Laura. I am seven years old. And my name is Brayden. And I am five years old. And we're from North Providence, Rhode Island. And my question is, how do lips get chapped? We'll answer that question at the end of the show. Plus, we'll howl out the new names on the Brains Honor Roll. So keep listening. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org academy. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org academy. You're listening to Brains On. I'm Molly. And I'm Maya. Embrace yourself. Here comes the... Mystery Sound. 
Are you ready, Maya? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Here it is. What is your guess? <laughs> My guess is dog sledding. Oh, very good. Because guess. I heard like almost like uh like barking. Okay. And like crunching snow and like the sound of like a sled on snow Ooh. being pulled. That sounds really ridiculous, but there's like a certain sound that has. You know what? <laughs> as a sound you found very informed. It's an excellent guess. So we're gonna be back with the answer in just a moment. Brains on. Let's get back to the wonderful world of wolves. Wolves are social creatures. Just like us. That means wolves like to live in groups and work together. We call their groups packs. We sent our friend Brita Green to the Minnesota Zoo to learn more about life in a wolf pack. A big part of pack life takes place in a den. But what is a den exactly? Don Devins from the Minnesota Zoo says basically it's a place a mama wolf goes to have her babies. Dens can be anything from a crevice in... A rock formation, um, some fallen logs that a female could dig out underneath and have a safe, protected area in order to have her, um, her pups born. Wolf pups are born small and blind, so they depend on their parents for everything. Mom gives them milk, and Dad hunts fresh food. Usually, after just a few months, they'll be exploring outside. But this almost didn't happen for the wolves at the zoo. They were born in the wild in Alaska. There was a big wildfire near their den when they were just two weeks old. Their mom disappeared. She either died in the fire or fled from the flames. But luckily, firefighters saved the pups and they were brought here to Minnesota. We have that one over there. I think that might be Hooper. Don points out one of the wolves. They live in a pen that looks like northern Minnesota. This time of year, it's covered in snow, dotted with rocks and cedar and pine trees. Visitors can say hi from behind wooden and chain-link fences. Along with Hooper, there's Gannett, Leah, Stebbins, and X-Ray. Even though they are a family pack, they have a variety of colors, so wolves can go anywhere from dark gray and black to almost kind of, a, I would almost say like... A, a German Shepherd kind of color, kind of a taunty brown and gray colored. She says a typical pack in Minnesota is about six to eight wolves, usually siblings and their mother and father. But sometimes a pack will let wolves that aren't relatives join in. Having a pack isn't just about having a family to hang out with. It's also about hunting. Wolf packs often track their prey, like herds of deer, for long periods of time. They're looking for an animal that's weak or sick or old, easier to take down. They'll surround their target and coordinate so they can back each other up if the deer starts to run away. Then, Don says, they'll attack. They have one of the strongest jaw bites, as you can imagine. When they do catch their prey, they want to hold on to it. <laughs> it's a total team effort, and if all goes well, everyone gets enough to eat. At the zoo, though, life is a little easier. Wolves here don't have to hunt to get fed. Actually, the zoo delivers them meat that's ready to eat, things like rabbits and chickens. So right now, the wolves are just relaxing, lounging around. I think they're just waiting. They're very good at knowing when it's getting close to dinner time. <laughs> 
So I saw this guy just came up and sort of was going to nuzzle the other one, and then he took off. Are they buddies, you would say? Yeah, well, yeah, yep. They're family members, so brothers and sisters is more so probably. So if you have family members, you kind of know when somebody comes in the room, it's your turn to move because they might just bully you out of your seat in the in the living room somewhere. Just like in any family, she says, packmates don't always get along, but at least they know they'll be there for each other when they're really in need. Maya, are you ready to try again with that mystery sound? Yes, I am. All right, here it is one more time. So, Maya, do you want to stick with your original guess? Um, I think I do. Do. All right, so you thought it was dog sledding. Here is the answer. Our names are Greta and Gwen from Plymouth, Minnesota. The sound you just heard is dog sledding way up north, almost in Canada. The dog's harnesses were jingling when the dogs walked. You can hear the sled crunching on the ice. Our favorite part is when we go on hills. It feels like you're on a roller coaster. You yell commands to teach the dogs what to do. Hike is go faster. If you go, whoa, that means slow down or stop. I learned how to drive the dog sled, but I can't stop the brakes because I'm too light. Nice work, Maya. Yes. (laughs) You're 100% correct. Have you been dog sledding? No, never ever. Well, you sounded very knowledgeable about dog sledding. You got everything right, so I'm very impressed with your excellent ears. Now, we know dogs and wolves have a lot in common, and that leads us to this question. Hi, my name is Maya, and I'm six and a half years old. My question is, why... Do we have dogs as pets, but not wolves? Wolves are still dogs. And foxes, foxes are still dogs. So why not have them as pets? My name is Layla. I live in Brussels, Belgium. And my question is, how did dogs evolve from wolves? Here to help us answer these questions is Bridget Von Holt. She's an evolutionary biologist at Princeton University. Welcome, Bridget. Hi, thank you for inviting me. How did dogs evolve from wolves? This is a really complex change to go from a wild animal to being this domestic dog that we have in in our lives and in our homes. So this process happened over thousands of years. And really what happened is that people originally formed this relationship, this communication with wild wolves. We suspect that this had a lot to do with how they hunted that early on, as humans were still hunting and gathering food that way, that there was this relationship and maybe communication with a local wolf pack where they were also doing the same hunting and gathering of food resources. That transition took thousands of years. This was a really long process. Early dogs, or really rather what they were, are wolves, 
are living closer and closer to human settlements. So some hypotheses say that these wolves were living closer to our trash uh, dumps where we would put empty carcasses or any other food waste we had. And eventually, as these wolves were living closer and closer to people, they had to be more tolerant of people's presence. Ultimately, the idea is that these wild wolves were adjusting to human presence and were living in and among the villages. So often dogs, even early in domestication, were just living with people but not necessarily inside a house and being restrained on a leash or a harness. Why can we have dogs as pets but not wolves, as my original question? Wildlife are um, unpredictable. They're not tame. They don't live in a house. It's hard to train them. So most of the reasons why we shouldn't have a wolf as a pet is because it's for the health of the animal, and it's not easy to handle them. Through that domestication, we've turned these wolves into dogs. That way, we actually have this little animal that we um, are very closely bonded to, and they rely very heavily upon us for everything from food to shelter and companionship. How did this, like, one species of, um, of wolves turn into so many different breeds of dogs and, like, types of dogs just, like, is that, like, human doing or is that natural? That is such a good question. Um, this ends up being a combination of both. To give maybe a little example of the natural side of this, if you look at maybe a litter of puppies— and they all come from the same mom and dad, sometimes some of the puppies might have brown fur, others might have little splotchy colors, another one might be white with bigger black patches on them, but they all come from the same two parents. So the natural part of all of this variation in dogs that we see is because every individual has a slightly different set of genes. So now if we talk about how people became involved in that, if we imagine that we were a dog breeder and we wanted to maybe create a brand new type of dog and we saw something interesting, one of the puppies was maybe this unique color that we'd never seen before, we would really want to use that dog when it grew up to have more puppies in hopes that it would have more like it. And as we started doing that a lot, we found that humans could create lots of differences between animals, from tiny little teacup dogs to these giant, you know, Great Danes. It's quite incredible. Wow. Thank you so much for being here today, Bridget. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Canines and people have a special relationship. Wolves, in particular, are very important to many Native American tribes. Wolves and humans are seen as brothers and sisters by the Anishinaabe or Ojibwe nations. Bonjour, hello. My name is Bija Keens or Dylan Jennings. Um, I come from the Bad River Band of Lake Superior Anishinaabe in northern Wisconsin. I work as a public information office director at the Great Lakes Indian Fish and Wildlife Commission. Um, Wolves have a very, very important uh, role to play in our communities traditionally and even today. 
And uh, a lot of that goes back to a relationship from our original stories, our original stories of creation. You know, the wolf and uh, original man were some of the, the two beings that uh, in our stories went around and, and named everything in creation, gave everything a name together and traveled together. At, at a different part within our stories, it talks about Mayingan, which is the Ojibwe word that describes wolf, and then um, Anishinaabe having to uh, to take separate paths, separate trails, and, and splitting up, kind of diverging along that path. What teaching we, we derive from that is that what happens to one of us will happen to the other. Well, there was a time not too long ago where you know, wolves were almost eradicated from this area, which means that um, there weren't many left. And, um, you know, a lot of that coincided in a, in a time where it wasn't okay to be, um, to be Ojibwe or to be Native American. And they were told to kind of blend in and, and uh, essentially, you know, remove that, that Ojibwe-ness or that, um, that essence of being an indigenous person from, from their being. And so those two things really, really mirror each other in, in our history. And so, you know, there are instances where we, where we believe that saying what happens to one will happen to the other have actually come to fruition to take care of and look after one another because we are considered to be relatives or some say to be, to be brothers. When we talk about protecting Mayingan, you know, there are only so many, so many packs throughout the region here. And, um, Every time that uh, somebody builds on land or cuts down trees, we infringe upon the land that Mayingan used to traditionally frequent. You know, we, we see these, these wolves and um, these other beings because we're in their habitat, we're in their home. And so we need to remember that, that we as humans within our Ojibwe creation story, we were some of the last ones to be put on this earth and all the animals and the beings before were here prior to. You know, wolves aren't just this old portrayal of Little Red Riding Hood and the Bad Wolf. They're actually beautiful beings that help with a lot of uh, ecosystem management, right? And helping to spur biodiversity. Biodiversity is, uh, you know, making sure that there's uh, good order within our ecosystems and things are, are kept well and taken care of. Wolves howl for lots of reasons, but mostly it's a way to communicate with other wolves over long distances. Wolves in different parts of the world have different styles of howls, sort of like regional accents. They live in packs so they can hunt as a team and take down large prey. Wolves evolved into dogs over thousands of years. And humans and canines, including wolves, have had a special relationship for a very, very long time. That's it for this episode of Brains On. It was produced by Mark Sanchez, Manica Wilhelm, Sandon Totten, and Molly Bloom. We had production help from Christina Lopez, Ruby Guthrie, and Brita Green, and engineering help from Veronica Rodriguez, James Kerwood, and Dan Kearns. Special thanks to Phyllis Fletcher, Taylor Kaufman, Mike Kessler, Robert Garova, Rachel Beninati, Tom Weber, and Mike Isham. 
thanks to Wolf Park in Indiana for some of the wolf sounds you heard. And a big thanks to Eric Kirschenbaum and Holly Root Guttridge. Now before we go, it's time for our moment of um... How do lips get chapped? That's actually a great question. The lips get chapped because the skin is thinner and they don't have the same protective layer of oil as the rest of your skin does. Hi, I'm Dr. Roxana Donishju. I am a dermatologist, which is a doctor that takes care of your skin, your hair, and your nails. There can be many different reasons people get chapped lips. For example, you probably notice that your lips are more chapped in the winter time. And the reason for that is that the cold air and the wind outside, as well as the dry heaters inside, are dehydrating your lips. Lips can also get chapped and dry from irritation as well. So you may wonder what's irritating your lips. Well, it can be a number of things. So some people are really sensitive to scented products and perfumes and don't realize that the chapstick they're using is actually making things worse because those perfumes are irritating. Saliva is actually very irritating and will make your lips even drier. People often lick their lips without even realizing that they're doing it. And people who notice that their lips are dry may lick them to try to get them wet. But what happens is you get that saliva, which has sort of all these irritating stuff that is used to help break down food onto the skin of your lips. And it irritates your lips more, making them more dry and chapped. Um, um, um... Now, listen carefully to the words passing through my lips. This is a fantastic group of listeners who have sent in questions, drawings, and mystery sounds. And they are the latest and greatest inductees to the brain's honor roll. Aurelia from London, England, Miles from Marmora, New Jersey, Thomas and Danny from Lafayette, Colorado, Imogen from Salisbury, UK, Eleanor from Joshua Tree, California, Sydney from Brighton, Chance from Virginia Beach, Virginia, Lila from Portland, Oregon, Dexter from Portland, Oregon, Lincoln and Ella from St. George, Utah, Sophie and Sam from Albuquerque, New Mexico, Mael from Brentwood Bay, British Columbia, Caleb from Fort Worth, Texas, Grayson from Edgewood, Washington, Rafe from Wagon Wheel, California, Nolan from Del Rapids, South Dakota, Ella from Telford, Pennsylvania, Megan from Portland, Oregon, Oregon, Elia from Madison, Wisconsin, Fiona and Zoe from Agawam, Massachusetts, Troy from Canna, Virginia, Kayla from Windcrest, Texas, Tyler from Fredonia, Wisconsin, Lincoln and Will from Chicago, Sam and Paige from Palo Alto, California, Jack and Penelope from St. Louis, Parker from Tasmania, Australia, Finn from Amsterdam, Samuel from Medicine Hat, Alberta, Lucille from Wellington, Alberta, Avery from Raleigh, North Carolina, Isabel and Ruben from Cranston, Rhode Island, Gregory from Lexington, Massachusetts, Carter from Belmont, Massachusetts, Austin from Porter Ranch, California, Brandon from Polesbow, Washington, Ryder from Portland, Oregon, Olivia and Wally from Green River, Utah, Caden and Liara from Cheney, Washington, Bella and Braden from Van Nuys, California, Blake from Plano, Texas, Lele from Philadelphia, Aditya from Singapore, Simon from Providence, Rhode Island, Ebba from New Jersey, Donovan and Shia from Tampa, Florida, Advaith and Ashvanth from Sunnyvale, California, Jonas from Redlands, California, Elizabeth from Tappahannock, Virginia, Charlotte from Pickering, Ontario, Theo from Fort Atkinson, Wisconsin, Gabriella, Christian and Dylan from Burlington, Massachusetts, and Rocco from Brooklyn, New York. Brains On will be back soon with more answers to your questions. Thanks for listening.